Hello, Spacers. This is Atlas, Berserker of the Acers. I need the audience to share our story to anyone you meet. One, it'll increase my standing for promotion. And two, it'll help our group share our story through the planetary system. We love to see our supporters and backup from everyone who watches. I'll hand you over to Nathan. Hey guys, thank you for watching and supporting through following, subscribing, Patreon, and even just watching listening to the show. I hope you enjoy this episode, and make sure to leave any thoughts or questions in the comments. Until next time, Spacers. Thank you. You ever get tired of drawing maps and having your players ruin your hard work by teleporting away? Or using Charm Creature to avoid that glorious boss battle set in that laboriously crayon-drawn map? Yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, that's my problem no more. Starlight Maps and Battle Mats are now sponsored by the beautiful artwork of Loki Battle Mats. From lavish palaces to cold alien caverns, they have a solution for everything. The maps come in big books that are easily transported, can be drawn on with erase markers, and immerse the players with a stunning reality. They'll forget they aren't actually standing by that pool of lava. And Battle Mats are only the beginning of what Loki has to offer. Want to know more? Go check them out, or stop by our YouTube to see what they have to offer. Now, let's roll. What's up, boys and girls? That was just a weird entrance. Welcome to Starlight, <laughs> and uh, we are now finally somewhat on the same page, although we are going to have to listen to this explanation a third time as we try and convince Clive to go along with one of the two plans. Um, but for the moment, me and my compatriots, Courtney, Nathan, and Sam, we have an important political decision to come to. So with that, let us jump into this episode of Starlight. <clears throat> Neuralink, access memories. Accessing. Reunited, the spacers argued and fought over the course of action after reconnecting on one another's adventures. With Clive back in the mix, the tension between Atlas and McKenna, however, is mediated somewhat successfully. In the interim, what lies ahead is finding out the result of the Emergency Council, a meeting to declare who will lead the House of Roses forward in the aftermath of the terrorist attack on Nanoi. Memories retrieved. The camera looks across this field of people in front of the fountain and in front of this platform where there is a parade of protectorates and the crowd comes to a hush. Our camera stops, however, as it's going across this group of people to four, not too out of place figures. One that we know as Clive Jensen, one that we know as Atlas, and one that would be the Loxodon elephant woman known as McKenna, who is under disguise as a ginormous woman with blonde hair, I believe, and under the name Marty McFly. They all stand there with everyone else, hushed um, voices to see as the Council of Roses is being pulled together in an emergency response to a bombing. There is an old man who stands at the center of the stage. He speaks to the crowd. He speaks to them, orating to them, talking about what has occurred with the bombing. He says just how many of their beloved House of the Dictates have perished, including uh, many of the choices that would have come forth. And then the strange disappearance of Speaker Holst. He doesn't outright say it, but you get the feeling that whoever this man is, he seems to believe that Holst might have perished with the rest in the bombing and they have yet to recover the body but it is never directly said because he tries to let out a message of hope that despite everything that is happening, despite all the changes, that they can still pull together a leader 
who will take the emergency powers and help them root out these terrorists and squash these visions coming from this mysterious woman named Aphid. And eventually, after doing this long speech, he motions for the two candidates to come up from either side of the stage. To the left, we watch as a dwarf who is um, dressed nicely, but there's something about him that's just kind of off. Like, the clothes are a little too wrinkled. It's kind of missing a button. Seems to just have a lot of like, kind of like this like blue collar look to him. And he has this greasy hair and teeth that are not quite straight as he walks up. I, as you know, am Grimble. Nothing more than the lowly assistant to speaker hosts, member and lowly elected official within the House of Dictates, but more importantly, your trusted robo-repairman. If you choose me, I promise to lead with dignity, integrity, and honor in this time. I know we are split, on what we will do in terms of joining the Federation or not. But that is not something that we need to worry about at this moment. At this moment, we must find these terrorists. And we must make sure this never happens again. We will stop whoever is technomancing the dead, running false rumors of the Sunmaker. It will all end, and I will use every ounce of power to make sure that happens swiftly. And he steps back. There is another figure who is welcome to the stage. She is half elven. She's a slight kind of bronze to the skin and has like very thin eyes, just high cheekbones and black hair that kind of falls into, not the most elegant, but a pretty braided ponytail in the back and she wears a kind of like white gown with a little bit of like this like pendant that kind of comes down the center and it's has this kind of pink gemstone many of you do not know me but i am odessa malaf those of you that do know me you know that i have worked hard and tirelessly for the people with the betrayal a speaker Glintfoot, I could see that it is hard to see the House of the Affirmed in a positive light. Matter of fact, it's easy to think that all of us are wanting to join the Federation in the face of this scandal for our own lucrative desires, but that couldn't be further from the truth. I am no different than Mr. Grimble here. I I'm a survivor of war. I know what it is to fight, what it is to root out the enemy. And I will do that here, just as my parents did for us, just as my grandparents did for them. Unlike Grimble, there is a conversation to be had about the Federation. And I will have those conversations, for I will not lie to you. Protectorate Loomston, chief of our security force here, is missing. The powers that play here are greater than what we have available. And if it comes to bringing on Federation support, then so be it. I will bring change if it means you are protected. And I will take all the blame for that. For that is the kind of servant I am. She steps back. The main figure comes forward, and by this time you've learned his name is Prudence. So, those of you who are citizens here, you may cast your vote. He clangs the cane he uses to support his frame against the side of his chest, and you can see his own assistants run up with this box-like computer device in which the citizenry of Ninoy are expected to come on the stage and tap their neural link to cast their votes. Slowly a line forms, you guys kind of 
stand to the side as this all starts to occur. You do see Thyra up in the way as she's climbing up the stairs. She looks back at you grimly, nods, and then her her eyebrow kind of raises as she sees Atlas. And there's like a small smile that forms and then she goes up and taps her head up against the box. She casts her vote. Is Thirsting going to vote? Thirsting does not go to vote. He stands to the side. I honestly much do not care what happens. And he leans into the side of your ear so you can hear McKenna and he says, Grimble only paid me to help him, not vote for him. Who do you want to win? It doesn't matter. I'm not from here anyways. Although I could fake it. Where are you from? Secret steer. Alright, I just felt like we should know that about each other. As friends. As compadres, as people working together to get Clazazel. That's what I thought. And as a father of my son, and I walk away. (laughs) Stupid, stupid woman. And the line starts to thin out. You watch as Prudence starts to make his way up to the box. And just as he's getting ready, after kind of like looking through the scoring, as he's about to announce, there is a trumpeting. You guys all turn, the crowd all turns in one as you look back in the direction where this is coming from and you hear almost these like Gregorian chants that are emanating kind of just out of the buildings and you watch as a small group, nothing much bigger than about eight or so. Robed figures in dark clothing come forth There is one in the center who is carrying a censer, long chain with like kind of like incense kind of burning off it as it kind of swings back and forth. You notice, all of you, that they wear the signal of the family upon necklaces and pendants. As they come forth, there is a muttering of voices and Prudence steps forward. Be gone with you. You offer nothing to the society. You say nothing about what is happening here. You just clap idly, believing. And he is cut off as one of the figures steps forward and throws back a hood. It is a human, bald head, but young, very young, and has two piercings that come out of the cheekbone to the left. I come forth with my family to offer the law of choice. Prudence takes a step backwards. (laughs) The law of choice that has never been used here. I don't even know if that's an aide kind of comes up to his side and whispers into his ear and the blood drains from his face. You chose not to be a part of our citizenry. You stay away and worship falsities. Other figure comes up to the stage as people move aside. The law of choice is written, is it not? He turns. Is there anyone who would deny me the very things that this city was built upon? And until the laws are changed, is it not just? Out of curiosity, um, <laughs> hi, just a lonely person here. Who do you intend to, um, to do this with? Who are you trunk wrestling? Seeing as there's no trunks here. I mean, you could do an arm wrestle, but the proper way is, is trunk and old Lockstonian tradition. So I'm curious. Someone who knows of the law. He steps aside from his crowd steps forward. A man who is about the size of Atlas, and as he throws back his hood, you see that he is a dock worker of sorts, someone who 
moves cargo and machinery and does has been doing so since he was probably eight. Big muscles bulging. This is Karadal. Karadal will take the law of choice in my stead. The man with the tattoos on the cheekbone looks back up at Prudence. And who would you pick? Um, Atlas would like to, um, to, to be the other participant. Prudence looks at you and the sincerity to with which you say such a thing looks at Atlas as you're kind of like motioning at him. He'll win. Don't worry. This will be no big deal for Atlas. He tends to beat people up and hurt them and sometimes take a little too far. So an, an arm wrestle, trunk wrestle. I mean, he doesn't have a trunk, so you're not technically doing it right, but an arm wrestle will be fine. Right, Atlas? Prudence looks back at his man that you can see, like, is obviously, like, one of his, like, big security guards, and he is dwarfed by Atlas. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen this man before, Atlas. How's it going? Um, Atlas, I just want to explain to you what the law of choice is really quickly. <laughs> And how important it is that you win this arm wrestle or trunk wrestle. Um, So the law of choice is an old Loxodonian tradition that basically that if Karadal wins, he gets to have a voice or or take over the decision making process for who um, is ruling the house. Um, And if you win, you get to use your voice to do so. Um, ideally, you would be uh, doing this on behalf of the people here in Hanoi, but you could also choose to be power hungry um, and take over for yourself here. Um, but Atlas, this is, we cannot let them win. Um, this is, this will be a repeat of of all the bad things. Um, and so you, you have to win the arm wrestle. So basically it's just a test of strength with the Loxodonians. Yes, but do know that it's much more than physical strength. This will push you past your physical abilities. Why not? Great. It's just an arm wrestle, right? There's nothing, no catch. He's strong. And so it's an arm wrestle, but you will need some mental strength as well. And I usher you forward onto the stage. Prudence kind of like steps back from you and sizes you up. He leans in and he says, you think you can do this? Uh, pretty confident. How big is that dock worker? He's is he like uh, my- not bigger than you. He's like, like probably like half an inch shorter okay, than so you. Okay, so basically my size. Just as thick. Prudence leans in and he says, the will of the people is for Odessa. You win. You have to declare her. He steps back and he says, Bring the table! Um, Alice, for the record, you don't have to declare her. You could just declare that a vote has to be taken. A uh, Durastil table is brought. Along with it is a chain that is brought, like like shackles. The table is about waist height, so both you and Cardell lean over the table across from each other. There's a small, timid little guy who comes and shackles your hands together so that you cannot escape one another. Cardell leans forward and sneers into your face. He is covered in pockmarks, blotchy facial hair, kind of just like this mean little look to his eye. And you get the feeling that maybe there's like a little Goliath in there, but just a little from his height. And he, you ready, little man? Okay, so Alice is gonna rage. So as you begin to rage, those lines on your body kind of start to like turn red. Yeah, he'll start start steaming, but he's not gonna roll a um, intimidation roll. Okay. Or The crowd leans further in, oohed and awed by what they are seeing. Caradel sneers. That's a fancy trick, but it's nothing compared to the force 
of the way. Watch as I am carried forward by divine right. We are going to do three athletic competitions here, just straight. So you know what's nice though about raging? This is the thing I wanted to bring up. On strength check, I have advantage on. And take to make sure Cardinal's not like cheating or anything. 17. Nothing seems to be off. Cardinal grips Atlas's hands and you watch as both their arms start to shake. 21 for me. 18. The hand starts to push yours further to the side. 25. You move his hand back to the center. Third roll. I'm going to spend one of my inspiration points to give him advantage. Uh, 18. Atlas's like mouth, you know, like the transformation. This is like mm-hmm. mouth and like eyes and everything, like turn into like a bestial. Teeth grow longer, the face, the skin kind of rips back. And there is a moment as Caradel's hand is quivering and it starts to push yours back and your face changes. That's when his hand wavers for a second as he's just taken back and you hear him go, the path be with You slam his fist into the table and immediately prudence comes forward as the the crowd doesn't know whether to cheer for like either one of these <laughs> outsiders and you've seen it here you've seen it here the law of choice has given to what what was your name again atlas atlas go on son as your your hands starting to get unshackled he leans into your ear declare odessa the winner oh yeah atlas is going to clean himself up a little bit I gotta make this dramatic. Get tell us! Tell us! And you see McKenna standing with her arms folded, just glaring at you. I'm using this message and saying, Alice, you know what the right choice is. A vote must be made. So just to clarify, I can choose anyone. <laughs> the obvious choice is Otessa. So the law of choice says that I can choose anyone that I choose. Yes, but there's only one choice. Perfect. Do they need to be here at this very moment? No? Perfect. So Alice will take his couple puffs. Alright, All right, then, then I choose, choose Gideus Kashin. There is a quiet amongst the crowd. And people look at each other like, who is that? Now, now because, because he's, he's not, not here, here, I will be, I'll his, be his speaker, speaker in a in sense. sense. Basically, Basically, this, this planet, planet, this territory, territory will be, will be now, now under, under the Acers. The Acers. Some, Some of you may or may not know who they are. Acers? If, Acers? If you guys you don't know, know where we are a very connected and powerful organization. And from kind of like what all these other people that came here for apparently no reason now, is that you guys need protection and you guys want to find out who the terrorists are. And honestly, the Federation, I'll look both at Grimbold and Odessa. Odessa? Yeah. Federation would not be of any help to you. To be honest, they just try to gain, put their foothold in, and just leave it at that. They wouldn't actually come here to assist. The Acers, because of our business and because of the fact that, yes, we will need some of you, who, which might actually help whoever's unemployed here or has nothing to do. We'll need them to work. You, None of you will become slaves. It's not like that. But... At the same time, is that with the connections, we'll be able to find out exactly who the terrorists are and be able to protect everyone here who can't protect themselves. Gideus is the one that runs most of the... He controls all the sectors in this side of the galaxy. Go, Gideus! Woo! 
and I start cheering. You are the only one <laughs> cheering. I was hoping people would join in. <clears throat> There's a long pause as Grimble Ben from where he is in the shadows looks directly at you and- Wait, I take it back. Grimble just stares darkly at both of you and then turns on his hill and disappears into the crowd, stomping off. Thirsting leans over into your ear, McKenna. Well, I think that deal might be off. And then he raises a hand up to shake yours. Um, I've seen that look before. Best of luck. Thirsting, it was more like excitement for Alice. I didn't mean it in that way. I... I just clapped too soon, and it, it wasn't my intent. I just didn't want, I didn't want Carlisle to win, and maybe I can talk to, talk to him. Oh, you can try to talk to him. Best of luck. As for me and my own, I, I will decide what the best course of action is going forward for myself. And he steps away and then hurries off. Wait, hey, Thurston, do you want a job? Depends. What are you offering? Well, as you know already from the, my long, painful speech, is that I am basically representing the Acers. And I'm assuming in your line of work you know who the Acers are. Of course. Perfect. So basically, as far as I can tell, due to your contraptions and obviously getting us out of jail, you are very adept at hacking, subterfuge, and things of that sort. And I, we actually do need somebody to basically gather information and kind of keep things, keep tabs on a few people. It depends on the pay. I do need to see if I'm at a loss here with my other employer or see if there's a way for me to recover the vast amount of money he was offering. Whatever you're being paid, depending on your work and how well it's done, it could be... 1.5 to 2 times the amount of pay you're going to get paid before. Go ahead and make make a persuasion roll. <laughs> 2? I usually like my promises in written with the exact sum. Okay, how much but are if you paid? you can bring me that, you will need to match 10,000 credits. Then how much are you getting paid right now? For this one job? Yes. Can I comm link for us? Will you please roll a die one? 30. Hello, we are not available now. Hmm. Well, it's a lot of money for one job. So excuse me as I go see if I can clean up the collateral damage or see if I need to cut my losses. Thanks to someone who does not stay on task. And then he turns quickly. Thirsting, can I come with you? No, you cannot come with me. Is the shop, the robot shop? If the shop job on? is still on, I will contact you. Okay. Your guys' uh, first fight, or? You had a little falling out there with your husband? I'm gonna go on a walk. Well, that leaves Atlas <laughs> and Clive standing there. And there's a lot of like ugly looks thrown Atlas's way, and a lot of confused looks. But that doesn't stop Thyra from making her way up towards you both. <laughs> That was some sort of shit you threw out there. I'll say. You're putting us under Acer control. I mean, what would you want? To have a bunch of random people that have limited experience to handle the situation? I mean, I wanted someone I could manipulate. But Gon's left tit, I didn't think you were going to put someone like that in charge. <sighs> Is that better or worse than the Federation, Tyra? To be seen. To be seen. Fair enough. I keep my promises going to go talk to Cisa, and I will be in contact. Good day. And the last person to make his way over, hobbling with the cane, is Prudence. Prudence comes up, and he taps the cane on <laughs> Atlas's chest. It feels like just like a very light tap. B boy! Yes, how's it going? Have you no, no honor? The people the people voted for Odessa. Is that right? Would... How about we go check the votes right now? The votes were checked. I was about to announce it before the law of choice. Can I see them? By all means. 
and he takes you back to kind of like a secure area where the the box is. As the numbers are kind of pulled up, you do see that Odessa did win the vote. Well, maybe she should have done the arm wrestle. And as you say that, you look back and you see the waif-like form of Odessa looking very, very perturbed. At no one in particular, just deflated. I hope you know what you did. And that's the last words you hear from Prudence. That law needs to be changed. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Clive, you watch as McKenna leaves, Atlas stomps by you. <laughs> You're left just looking at the two of them. <laughs> Walking off. Uh, I need a drink. I'm gonna start making my way back to the Wilma Court. <laughs> I send a quick message to through the comm link to uh, Alice and McKenna. Yeah, well, whenever you guys get back from wherever you stormed off to this time, meet me back at the Wilma Court so we can discuss what the hell just happened. Astrid? No, no, she's... She actually just left on business. But I can leave a message for her if you wish. Uh, yes. Tell her to try to call me as soon as possible. There's been a pretty massive change for... Illinois. We will do. McKenna has found a random bar <laughs> and is drinking oh no a lot and it takes a lot to get a locksit on drunk and she is drunk and got there very quickly I want you to go ahead as you spend your woes drinking away roll a constitution save and throw this planet is territory. We'll be now under the Acers. No, you cannot come with me. Is the shot the robot the shot? The job is still on, I will contact you. Atlas, where you are, kind of on the corner of this street, Gorn, eventually you see him kind of start to approach you. He is dressed in a way that does not reflect his protectorate background. He's dressed in street clothes. He's wearing like stuff to kind of cover his head a little bit more. And he is carrying a small white box in his hands. I have the key. It's time to go. Unlock the Sunmaker's ship and save him from the distress. We just have to pick up a few people, but yeah, we can go on our way. Good. We should not waste any more time. One minute wasted could be. And he just kind of shudders as he thinks of the possibilities of what could happen to his dear Sunmaker.
We are gonna fast forward. You guys all come together at the Lonely Chord. Quick question though, is Gorn still with Atlas when they... Yes, under a disguise, but not like official disguise. Like you, you could tell it was him, but he's hanging very close to Atlas. And this time he doesn't have his guards in tow. McKenna is the last person to come in and she smells like she drank the bar. Like just sweat stains and pit stains coming out the sides. <laughs> the trunk moving slow. McKenna, what happened to you? You smell like you just fell in a sewer. Oh, God. Ugh. Well, that's better than being called fat all the time. I, I need your help. I know you guys don't like me, especially you, Atlas, and you really don't like spending time with me. You find that my stories are annoying and I ramble and and here I go again. But I made a deal with Grimble and, and I think I pissed him off a little bit. And the deal was that I would go save Clazazzle, which is um, Speaker Holtz's... Um, spouse's brain in a vat and it's underneath the orphanage and um uh, my i can only think of his name as josiah thurstein um he and i were supposed to work together and you know i got distracted and we ended up adopting a kid along the way i don't even know if seesaw's gonna be my kid anymore but i do feel like i need to keep my word and i would really love if we could go chat with Gabriel or just Bypass Grimble and the three of us could go get the brain of the bat of brain and go bring it to Grimble um, in hopes to get the Sunmaker's trunk, which I do believe will be will will be helpful. Um, by the way, the Sunmaker's trunk is is helpful, and I think, and it's a huge matter of honor for me, but also it will help you um, in the long run. So if you guys could help me with this quick mission of getting Clazazel's brain and bringing it back to Grimble, that would be great. Sorry, I rambled again. Is, wait, real quick, what do you mean his trunk? Like, his, just his singular... Well, when, after he killed himself, um, Speaker Holst chopped off his trunk and took it somewhere, and Grimble can, can give us access to get the trunk. Um, which... I'd say as a friend of the Sunmaker will just mean the world to me, but will also be of a huge asset um, to our work going forward and to your work of potentially reviving the Sunmaker or finding him or, you know, whatever you aim to do to destroy him. It is just a body parts. The Sunmaker taught all of us that we are luminous beings not this simple matter. We must save the Sunmaker as soon as possible before his current luminous mm-hmm. self is destroyed. Yeah, Gorn, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I just am drunk and I don't like you very much. And so I'm going to talk with Atlas. Um, not that I like him a whole lot more, but I... Yeah. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. What? You're so the teaming up with Gorn. No, no, hold up. So, Gorn, and you have a you have a child, and there's some trunk that we're. I don't know if I have a child saving? anymore. Okay. I think if now, before, if I fail to do this for Grimble, I'm not going to have my child anymore. Which will be oh, the second child okay. that I lose. Hold up. Now before, because now I'm having a hard time trusting any of you. As and he's looking around the table, and as he looks past Gorn, he's slowly cleaning his butterfly knife, just giving him a very intense stare. Now, you guys need to explain to me what the heck is going on before I agree to go with anybody. I just did. No. No, you didn't. Basically... What the heck? So basically, Thor and I had a misunderstanding in the beginning. Misunderstanding? He almost killed us. What do you mean, misunderstanding? What kind of misunderstanding is that? I mean, it's just like any other type of business deal. You never know who's... (laughs) Who's who? The Sunmaker warned me that the Nuguvanites would return in the form of a Loxodon. Gorn, you and should... And she showed up. 
He told me to protect his secrets and to not let things fall back to the Dark Ones. Gorin. See, that was a misunderstanding. Just, now, can I? Gorin and I have a add deal. One... We have a deal going. Is basically that I'm going to help him save the Sunmaker. And he's he has the key to get us to the Sunmaker. Key? What? What key? Gorn holds up a small cube. Can I add one thing here, Gorn, to maybe make you hate me a little less? I know you're gonna hate me regardless. Sorry to cut everyone off here. Um, I don't hate you. Can I? Can Atlas I, told me. Can I explain something? I don't even think Atlas knows this. I came seeking out the Sunmaker, knowing that he left the Nagubu Knights. And wondering why, because I was having some serious doubts after my daughter was sacrificed. And so, don't see me as someone who's tied to the Nuguvu dates, but as someone who's who's likely walking away. But I need wisdom and insight, and that I find in the Sunmaker. And with this, I can have word from him before sunrise. I hear you. I'm just telling that so you stop hating me. I don't hate you. Atlas okay. told me. Oh, I don't know what Atlas said. Misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Right. But and there is no misunderstanding. I have dreamed of it for weeks. I have seen my own death. I have seen the Sunmaker's death. And then these signs started. The Sunmaker is in danger. It is no accident that you showed up. It is no accident that you are here. The Sunmaker will die if we do not move now. The trunk is still important. You can see that his, while he's holding the key in one hand, one of his other hands is like scraping the table. You can see like some of his fingernails chipping and breaking off from the intensity of his worry. Now, what? Sunmaker's in danger. What? In danger from what? What? I don't know. You don't know? How how do you know he's in danger then? I know. You guys sound like a bunch of crazy people. I'm going to tell you that right now. He points at Atlas across the table. He confirms my dreams, these prophecies from the path. He has intel that the Sunmaker is in grave danger. How did he confirm your dreams, Gorn? And from there, Gorn goes into a long story of how he basically didn't trust Atlas at first, how then Atlas was able to reach out to his superiors who can, who had information and had not only argument, but video footage and, and data saying like that the Sunmaker was under an imminent assault of assassination. Tells you all about this trip to Sanctuary where they went and saw this boss. Isn't he dead already? Okay. Well, oh, he lives on. Now, let me let me try to get this straight. First of all, what happened? What happened to your not husband, whoever the hell that was, and this child? Where? Thurston and I are not married, obviously. And he, Thurston and I went under disguise into the orphanage to try to get information about where Klazazel's brain was. We found a map of the underneath the orphanage. We both have that. Thirsting probably has a better idea because, you know, I tend to get distracted. So we should probably find Thirsting if we're going to do this, but we could do it without him. Um, and while we were there, I became inspired, like I do, to adopt a child and we had to go into dis- under disguise to adopt anyways to get into the orphanage and so we went as marty mcfly and josiah mcfly to adopt a child i decided that i wanted two because i saw two who needed adoption but thirsting told me no we could only afford one and so then he um transferred the credits over to the orphanage and we adopted Sisa after meeting all these other incredible children. There was one gnome and he was quite cute. He did these little magic tricks that were really impressive. But anyways, besides besides the point, I'm working on the whole not rambling thing. Um, Yeah, so then we adopted Sisa. We went over to Sanctuary. Sisa was maybe still is there under um, anesthesia where he is sleeping, taking a nap, as I told you both that 15 year old boys do, but 
Um, uh, Josiah uh, Thurstein is not a very good father, obviously, and likes to keep our children under. So my pretend husband and I will likely be getting a pretend divorce after this if I have a pretend child still. I would like to keep Seesaw, as I did promise Seesaw that I would give him to his sister on XR1 um, because he is a synth as well. And he was mistreated and abused and and his story is just incredible and um, I would like to hold true to that promise. Now, I was, I was talking to Thyra and it seems like she's still pretty convinced that Seesaw's working for her. How... He won't be coming back tonight. Well, you see that that may end up cause, causing us a problem, man. I mean, I'm happy to tell her that I adopted him. Well, it will not matter if we are not here. We need to leave. Oh, hold on. I have not agreed to anything. You, this this is insane. You're all insane. This doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever. Getting the Vata brain should take less than that, 24 brain, hours. That alone... <laughs> Oh, man. Barkeep, I need another drink. Coming Make it a double. Right no. Make it a triple. As you wish, honey. By the way, you should probably know that Thyra is trafficking sense and or trying to keep them safe. Um, it's up in the air as to which one she's trying to do, but she has been working with Sisa, and Sisa did confirm that Thyra knew that she was a synth and Thyra did help disguise Sisa and I think his sister as well, who's on XR1. So, so Thyra is, is keeping, so you said she's keeping the synth safe or she's trafficking them? Yeah, I'm leaning more towards the keeping synth safe theory, especially after talking to Sisa more, but I, I can't be 100%. Well, jeez, I don't even know what to do with you guys right now, but... Getting the Vata brain nothing. really won't be too hard. It it's distracts not, from the Sunmaker. It's not going to help us at all sitting around here any longer than we already have, and it seems like we're wasting quite a bit of time. However, as we move forward, I still don't trust either one of you. There's just been too much going on, and I think I'm, I think I'm leaning more towards just getting off the planet as soon as possible with Gorn. I don't think, I don't have any reason to see Grimble. I don't care about any vat of brain, whatever that might be. So I think that's where I stand. Then it is decided. Can we stop on sing- at Sanctuary on the way out and see if we can get Sisa? I'm not taking care of no kid. I'll take care of him. Like, he'll be no burden. I think we're done here. He will be incredibly useful. Yeah, sure. Like, he was in the cave. Clive, you're sent as well. You know what it's like to be treated like garbage. And you're just gonna leave a helpless child out there? Well, to be honest with you, I I don't actually remember being treated like garbage. Except when you had to hide. Well, yeah, but, you know, I've done my fair share of, uh, let's say, unlawful activity. So that I'm used to. But nobody's been treating me any any sort of wrong way. So why, why would I care? All I care about is finding whoever these Shrine Cross people are. And as far as I know, getting some brain fat isn't going to help me do that. Then I'm going to have to not be with you guys and go after Sisa myself and go get him and then I will meet you wherever now, we're going now, to next. On. I know you're obviously upset, but do you really believe that's a smart decision? We do just have what, to what? stop in Sanctuary. It's not that hard. You can make your choice after we get to the Sunmaker's ship and contact him. How far is the Sunmaker's ship? Near Varbas. No question, question, no. It's the equator of the planet. Why, why do we have to find this ship in order to get in contact with him? This key is an emergency beacon. Before the Sunmaker disappeared, he gave this to me as an emergency means only by with which to contact him. He told me not to use it unless I felt that there was a grave threat 
to the way. If we go get the ship, can we come back and get Tisa? Probably be safer for Tisa anyways, not being on a ship with us. Well, I still don't know a whole lot of what's going on here, but it seems like whatever it is, everything revolves around this sun maker. So, as far as I can tell, I think our next best thing to do is to go find him or figure out whatever's going on with him. Then our decision is made. And you see Gorn stand up. And with that, I think as you are all preparing to take Gorn's ship to go find the Sunmaker ship, that would be a good place to call this episode. So, <laughs> with uneasy tension, we move on. So thank you, Spacers. Yeah. Barney's up to awesome. <laughs> Okay. Why don't we level up to level four? Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.